Elhamdülillahi vahdü ve salatu ve selamu ala man la nebiyye ba'da ma ba'da. The next chapter, the next section in the poem, İmam al-Malul ve Muladala mentions what he calls the cures for all the ailments of the heart. So now he's going to mention certain cures. Tarasul Jameh, that they can help to purify a person from all the ailments of the heart. And the jame cure, the jame all-encompassing, holistic, complete medicine cure, tonic for the diseases and illnesses of the heart. The that the heart has to stop the nafs from following its desires. So the notion here is that the more we, what's, when you do what your nafs wants, then you break your own heart. You know, somebody else breaks our heart and we feel sad. Hmm? And we say it's going to take a long time for my heart to get cured. When you do what your nafs wants, you break your spiritual heart. You hurt the iman in your heart. And when you go against your nafs, when nafs means that part of you that has unlawful, ghayr shari, haram, unlawful desires, that takes pleasure in unlawful pleasures, that's also nafs. That is attracted to unlawful attractions, that is also nafs. That has thoughts that are unlawful, that's also nafs. All of that is nafs. Even if you don't do it, but you want it, it hurts your heart. Even if you desire it, it hurts your heart. Every time the nafs has an unlawful desire, unlawful attraction, unlawful memory, and certainly, definitely, when it leads a person to unlawful action, it hurts the person's heart. It's a spiritual heart. So the flip side then, the converse is that when we prevent ourselves from following our nafs, it helps our heart, it purifies the heart. Second, is that it's not just that it hurts the heart, if you indulge in your nafs, this is action. So the feelings and desires of the nafs, pleasures and attractions of the nafs hurt the heart. Second, if you indulge the nafs and actually do that unlawful thing. So go back over here, I mean, have the anger, have the dislike for mold, for dislike for death, have the dislike or be worried about people blaming you to forget the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to mock and just and ridicule and be mean to people, alright? To have boastfulness, to have arrogance, so these were the few things we did in the past few days. If you actually act upon it or indulge in it, then it puts an impurity on your heart. It puts a stain on our heart. What does it mean it puts a stain on our iman? Heart is the place of iman. It puts a veil on our iman. What happens when a stain and veil comes on our iman? Then it becomes harder to pray. It becomes harder to speak the truth. 
becomes harder to wake up for Fajr. It becomes harder to do anything and everything on Deen. So, I think what we learn, I'm, I'm, I'm explaining this a bit more in detail. But what we learn here is that when we sin, obviously we sin, so that's a sin, guna, right? We get punishment from Allah, we don't make toba. But another consequence is when we sin and indulge in the nafs, we hurt our heart, we stain our heart, and then deen becomes harder for us. Deen becomes harder for us. And then the more person sins, the harder deen becomes. Now, on the one hand, because of Allah Ta'ala's mercy, the sin part, if you make istighfar and tawbah, Allah Ta'ala can wipe away the sin. Allah Ta'ala can forgive the sin. Allah Ta'ala can erase the sin. But the second thing that happened, that deen has become harder for me now. Because there's a rust on my iman. There's a stain on my iman. That requires more effort to get out of it. More effort to get out of it. So sometimes a lot of us at times we sin. Alhamdulillah, anybody who would come and sit extra after tarawih means they want to change, they want to help themselves, they want to change themselves, fix themselves. So obviously in a month like Ramadan, we make dua to Allah SWT to forgive us for the sins. We have hope in His mercy because of our fast, etc. that He will forgive the sins. And inshallah, the sins will be forgiven. But the, what we get stuck in is it's still hard for me to be more firm and steadfast on deen. Tajid is still hard. You'll see it after Ramadan. You will experience this after Ramadan. You will remember me telling you this. After Ramadan, you will feel, you will see these exact two things. You will generally, truly feel deep inside that the sins were forgiven. And you will generally find it hard to go to the masjid like you used to in Ramadan, to wake up for Tajid like you used to in Ramadan, to read more Quran like you used to in Ramadan. You will find it hard. That requires mujab. So what happens is that you hurt yourself. You see, somebody made a mistake, they hurt themselves. So they have to deal with it. Now they have to, they have to deal with it. They're slightly hurt, they're crippled, they're disabled. Hmm? So indulging the nafs, that's a good way. Maybe indulging the nafs disables the kalb. Then all those things just increase more. Then you can have more boastfulness, more anger, more... Because those were the ones we did. When it's 2008. Maybe I should do that this year, actually. Because how many of you were with me in 2008? Uh, I feel like I've completed it, right? So I'll do that list also because this is a cure for all of the ailments. We did a few of them with you. But these things can increase. These can increase. So, nahyu nafsi. nafsa anil hawa. To stop the nafs, stop the nafs, stop the nafs. There were many illness-specific cures that were mentioned, right? That if you have this illness, this is the cure for it. If you have this illness, this is the cure for it. And stopping the nafs is the ultimate cure, the be-all and end-all cure, the cure for all. So if somebody finds a medicine like that, they get more happy. And so you were telling me to take these 10, 15, 20 vitamins. It's better that you give me one multivitamin, right? That's stopping the nafs. Stopping the nafs is the cure-all for purification of the heart. So cure-all so that you get an idea. And there are even more. I mean, Imam Allah mentioned many, almost all you could say, the major categories. But, you know, when you go deep into it, there's so many. You can just imagine like physical health. 
there's so many sub sub sub illnesses and sub type of illnesses and variations of the syndrome and the disease. It's just like that with the spiritual illnesses and diseases also. Just like that with these spiritual and diseases also. Okay, the first thing that he did, I think I will do this for you, give you a quick overview. The first thing he did actually in his work was talk about Adab. So on illness of the heart, he began with Adab and he he surrounds his discussion of the illnesses of the heart with Adam on one end and stopping the nafs on the other end. These are the two main preventive medicines. But when he talked about Adam, he talked about Adam with Allah SWT. Often we speak about other with one's elders, other with one's parents, other with this, other with that. He talked about other with Allah. And I'd be honest with you, the very first time I even heard it expressed like that. Obviously, we all know we have to be on our have respect for Allah Ta'ala. But this notion of other with Allah Ta'ala was when I read this for the first time in my life. I never thought of that. Other with Allah Ta'ala. And because we're so secularized also, people think that ibadat is for Allah Ta'ala and adab is for makhluk. Right? There's this notion that good character, good behavior is for creation and worship is for Allah Ta'ala. Ajeeb, when he said the very beginning of his poem is that you should have adab to, with Allah Ta'ala. You should be on your proper de propriety, decorum, behavior, comportment, ethics, ethics, ethics with Allah's fountain. But that's how he began. That's how he began. Uh, and then the second uh, section of his poem is about explaining that it's farad for a person. Uh, because he was also an alim, so he'd speak like that. It's fard for a person to know the illnesses of their heart and the cures for them. Why? Because it's fard for a person to try to purify their heart. There's no single method that is fard. There's no single teacher that is fard. But generally speaking, knowing that these diseases are there, why? Because sometimes if a person doesn't reflect about it, they may actually have been suffering from envy for years, but they never bothered to learn in our deen that Allah has mentioned this thing called hasad. And if they had heard the verses and hadith about hasad, they would have realized I have it. But because they never got the knowledge of that, they were happy-go-lucky thinking they're fine. So that's why it's farad to get that knowledge from the Quran and Sunnah about what these elements of the heart are and what their cures are. The first an illness he mentioned was bukhum. Bukhul means stinginess, miserliness, and one aspect is bukhul with money, one is bukhul with time, one is bukhul with your emotions, one is bukhul with your knowledge if you don't share it. There are many types of bukhul. Husband can sometimes be bukhil with wife, wife can be bukhil with husband. It's not just about money. The first part of it is about miserliness when it comes to money. But it can be with any blessing Allah SWT has given us for us to withhold that blessing, to keep that blessing and not use that blessing the way Allah Taala wanted us to. And that's why He gave us that blessing in the first place, not to honor that blessing in the first place. So you can just imagine when you open it up like that, that there may be a lot of bukhul in a lot of us. That's what I'm saying. So we may have given us a pass. Somebody might say, no, Alhamdulillah, I'm not stingy. I'm a very generous person. I'm not tight fisted with money. It's okay, but you don't know yet. There's other types of bukhul. <laughs> There's other types of bukhul. And when he realizes that, then it's, oh, I have these other ones. 
I may not be tight fisted with money, but I never can smile at my spouse, right? I can never play with my kids. I can never share the knowledge I know. I don't give my notes to the other student to prepare for the exams. That's also Bukhul, right? It could come up in so many ways. I found out about something good. I'm not going to tell the person. I downloaded it on my phone. I know where I can find it, but I'm not going to let the others know. Bukhul. <laughs> Allah Akbar. Hmm? There's so many kinds. What does it mean? So obviously the opposite of this. So you know, like I, I think I told you this the other day. Sayyidina Rasulullah I may not have that Sayyidina Rasulullah is the epitome of epitome of good character. What does it mean? So he was so non the complete opposite of Bakhir. So generous. So giving, so loving, so sparing, so sharing, so caring. Sayyidina Rasulullah Another one is racing with Amma Aisha. He's a very busy person. He's Sayyidina Rasulullah Talking to spouse, racing with spouse, joking with spouse, sitting with visiting delegations or not even Muslim, sitting with Bandu Alabi. They called the Bedouins who were believers. Then, obviously, giving a lot of time to big Sahaba like Khulafara, Sudhu, and Nazu Sahab, And with whatever little few dates, even who can think of for me and you to give a date in charity when it was a date, right? But that's all in the media because we had these small things. I'm talking about shawl, somebody needs shawl, giving a shirt, somebody wants a shirt, giving a date. We can't even think like that. Hmm? Like we have maybe like a hundred, not hundred, so we have many shawls and shirts and many kilos of dates. Hmm? I say, you know, I mean, there's no need to be here. خدمت <laughs> <laughs> <laughs> <laughs> <laughs> <laughs> <laughs> I know there are plenty of people already doing it. The masjid has got, oh, Muslims have done it, guys have done it, masjid ke ladke, muntazimine. Main garme karta, main guzar kar mohabbat bhi nazar maarta. Aap ek tafa karna. Chalo, kam as kam chaat hona chahe, kam as kam khayal hona chahe tha. Ki chalo, main ja kar rovzar, kajur tak same karta. Sometimes you have to break the bukhla. You won't know the bukhla is there when you try. This is another thing. If you if you try and you say nay nay nay you're hesitant. That's Bukha. That's you just realize it's there. I don't know, I mean can I really do it? It's okay. You make excuses for yourself, right? But I gave you an idea of something you could do in the next few nights, next few sunsets of Ramadan. Hmm? So to spend 
And so the other thing is there are also degrees that I might be generous, but I have to force myself to be generous. There may be another thing. I do share, I do care, but I have to force myself to do it. It happens. We're like that, you know. Even parents can be like that. They have to sort of force themselves. Sometimes, normally 99% they may love their children and want to be with their children, but sometimes they have to force themselves to do it. So the Nabiya Kareem there's no force. It's like he had some mujahada and he became Kareem. He was pure karam, pure. Living, breathing, feeling, experiencing, sharing, exuding karam. And that's called akhlaq. That's the way a believer is supposed to be. That's the way his ummati is supposed to be. So here, uh, the first one was Bukhul. Second one was al-Bughz, Bughz. Bughz was similar to the Ghil that we did recently. Bughz you have in Urdu language also. Bughz means malice and spite, right? Hard to, you know, I would have to look at it again myself, to be honest with you, the words are between Bughz and al-Ghil. But like I told you, there are these sub, these masters of these illnesses of the heart, they had such fine, finely spliced categories. Bao Bugs is a burning. It's a real burning. Uh, and it's more outwardly manifested. So this was another illness of the heart that was mentioned. Then Hobbit Dunya. Love for the world. Love for materialism, love for luxury, love for status, name, fame. But it begins again with the material. But just like Bukhul wasn't just materially stingy, this is also not just a love for material things. It's not just, sorry, it's not just a love for money. It can be extended to any material things or matter. Right? So for somebody, it might be love for cars, excessive love for cars, for watches, for designer names, could be that. And then it can extend even beyond, the dunya is even beyond material things. Like I said to you, love for fame or name or any other thing like that. Love for the dunya is the source and error of all evil. Then humble madhi, to love to be praised by others. Just opposite of what we did recently, that you're not worried, one should not be worried about the blame or the censure of the critics. This is another thing, to do things in order that others will be happy with you, for no other reason. Many times we do that. Sometimes we're overly interested in making creation happy with us, and we're under-interested, less interested in making our creator, Khalik, Allah SWT happy with us. And then even worse, sometimes to make some member of creation happy with us, we make our creator unhappy. We're actually willing to make Allah SWT unhappy. Again, same delusion that, well, okay, I'll get a sin, I'll forgive me. So I'll get both things. I'll make the person happy, and I'll do the sin that Allah will forgive me, so Allah won't be unhappy. He will initially be unhappy, but after I make his sick part of it, he won't be unhappy either. Difference is, though, now that so carefully, you made creation happy, you made Allah Ta'ala unhappy, you made istighfar and tawbah so he is no longer unhappy, but you still have to make him happy. He's not unhappy with you anymore because you made this istighfar and tawbah, but you still have to make him happy. 
unhappy as ibadat, amalu saleh, taqwa, haya, not just the stick, the stick part, all those to make, no longer make him unhappy. So here this was uh, love for praise. Next was hasad, I think I may have skipped one here, but hasad, hasad is envy, jealousy, right? Now, it's sometimes difficult for a person to judge this about themselves. Sometimes it's clear, many, all these things, sometimes it's crystal clear, a person knows, oh, I'm feeling feelings, envy and jealousy for a person. And sometimes they're unsure. That is it envy or is it uh, like some kind of healthy competition? Or is it envy or is it healthy competition? Or is it something else, right? So the sign of hasad is that if you envy some, if you want to know whether you envy someone for something they have, some knowledge they have, some friend they have, some student they have, some car they have, the sign is that were they, be, were they to be deprived of it, would it make you happy? That's the way you check. And even if you just imagine, don't wait, like if actually, if you imagine to yourself that they lose it, does that thought make you happy? That means you have envy. So you imagine that person doesn't have it, loses it, and it makes you happy, that's the sign you have envy. That's the way to check. So there's another thing these great ulama Masai taught that sometimes a person is not sure. So they gave very upfront diagnostic tests that a person can realize whether they have this envy or not. Cure for envy, since I remember that one well, cure for envy is to make dua for the person you envy. All right? Another illness that he mentioned was to to humble yourself about those things which you should not be humbled about. To be humble is not going to lower yourself about those things which you should not be lowered about. Is to lose your izzat and ghayrah. To lose your Islamic self-respect and dignity. And to be too submissive, maybe that's right, to be submissive about matters that you shouldn't have been submissive about, that to be submissive about matters that you should have been active about. To be passive, maybe. To be passive when you should have been active. Alright. This was another illness of the heart that he mentioned. Next one was fear of the future and fear of the outcomes of the future. So what happens here sometimes in fear of the future, their insecurity, they engage in all types of planning where they may go through excesses in earning or planning or saving because of their fears for the future. So this was basically, if it's taken to an extreme, or not just extreme, but taken to a degree which is excessive than maybe natural. So this is against tawakkul on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because then it means that a person showing through their planning, their actions, their thoughts, their fears, their anxieties, their insecurities, that they don't really have tawakkul al Allah in their heart. Because if you had tawakkul Allah SWT in your heart, no doubt you would make some planning and you would make some arrangements, but you wouldn't have fears and anxieties and insecurities in your heart if you had tawakkul al Allah SWT in your heart. So this is another thing, very important thing. You cannot feel, yes, in your mind you can plan for the future. 
you can quote unquote save for a rainy day, but you can't have the insecurities and fears and anxieties in your heart because that means that tawakkal isn't there. And tawakkal means to plan and save and have complete contentment because you know that Allah Taala is your wakil. That's another important way to understand tawakkul. Tawakkul means to know and feel Allah is your wakil. You see, we just say trust. It's more than that. To know and feel with yakin that Allah Taala is your wakil. And you can imagine that anybody who knew that, they would really make them strong and firm and would remove all the anxieties and insecurities. And one was Riya. Riya means to do something for ostentation, for display, to show off so that other people will notice, right? So similar to loving the praise of others, to do something so that other people will notice. Next was to fear to have fear some other being or entity and to break the commandments and rules of Allah due to that. That is quite a lot that apparently we did in 2008. There's a long list of them. Uh, to be angry over your fate, to be upset and angry over your fate and complain to Allah to have tama to have a greed and covetousness for the world, to have long hopes, uh, long planning, to have vanity and conceit, to have anger, to be heedless of Allah and that was what we've done in the past and then the next one was which we had done for you. So the cure for all of these ailments and illnesses was to stop the nafs, stop the nafs, stop the nafs from what it wants. If you let the nafs have a desire, unlawful desire, unlawful wish, unlawful temptation, it will hurt your heart. And if you act on the unlawful desires, temptations of the nafs, it will stain in your heart. It will impurify your heart. Allah SWT said in Quran, Ala bi dhikrillahi tatma'innul kulub. Ala bi dhikrillahi tatma'innul kulub. Because the more zikr a person does, the more they get yakin. So the other anbiya, they wanted to see Allah SWT to get itminan al-kalb. Musa wanted to see Allah SWT. Ibrahim wanted to see that I want to see how the dead will be brought back to life. These are all stories that come in Quran, right? So what about for Nabi Akrim sallallahu He never asked anything. There's no mention that he asked Allah Subhanahu that I want to see you or see your tajalli or see a miracle or see how you bring back to life because of the zikr. This ummah was given zikr to get itmanani gun. That same itmanani gun that the anbiya wanted made dua. They wanted to see some sign of Allah subhanahu wa Why? Because Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, فَذْكُرُونِي أَذْكُرْكُمْ And when you make the zikr of Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala will remember you. Allah Ta'ala's zikr of you and your feeling Allah Ta'ala's and your experience of Allah Ta'ala's zikr of you will give you that yaqeen that He exists. That same yaqeen that may be from seeing a miracle. That same yaqeen 
will be given by feeling the zikr of Allah SWT. Now, what's the purpose of that yakin? Just to feel some ecstatic, esoteric, mystical yakin? No, the purpose of yakin is this. The purpose of yakin was supposed to be that when a person experiences the zikr of Allah Ta'ala and Allah zikr of them, and they get yakin, then they would stay away from the sins and be able to stop the nafs. So a mistake that we make is if we want the yakin just for the sake of the experience, then you may actually have that experience and still indulge your nafs. Because your niyat was not there. Your niyat was just, I wanted the feeling. So you got the feeling. The purpose of the feeling was to get the taqwa. Your niyat was in the taqwa, your niyat was the feeling. So some people, they make the zikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they get that feeling, but instead of that feeling leading to the yakin that Allah ta'ala exists and I better adopt taqwa and stop my nafs, instead they get yakin, but a different yakin, yakin that the feeling exists and I better keep trying for it again. They get yakin in their own feelings of zikr. As opposed to getting yakin in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But if a person does zikr with that niyyah and with that understanding that I want to do zikr, and yes, if I feel something in that zikr, it will give me yakin that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is watching me, is with me, right? And that yakin, I'm hoping, and I have only one hope and one demand from that yakin that that yakin will help me stop my nafs once and for all. Then, zikr, kalb, nafs, kalb and salim, nafs, all gets done. You see, when it's done, then you can explain it in so many different ways. But you have to get the job done. And if it's not done, you can use every explanation and every understanding and every commentary and every poem and every thirst. It's not done though. <laughs> it's not done. Hmm? So our job in Ramadan is to get the job done. Our job in life is to get the job done. Hmm? So even I just did this one line today that this is a huge effort. Stop the nafs. Stop the nafs. Really, if a person can't do this, there's not much else. There's nothing, there's no replacement for that. And if a person can somehow successfully manage to stop their nafs from its sinful desires and impulses, then you don't need the rest. Really, you don't need it. So this is our big focus now for the rest of Ramadan and we should make du'as for it, we should make effort striving for it, we should have a firm niyya, real deep niyat in our heart, I want to stop the nafs, I want to stop my nafs, all the unlawful desires, temptations, which brings up the nafs. When you make this the mission of your life, and the goal of your life, and the purpose of your zikr, and you make it one of the frequent things in your du'a, then Allah Ta'ala, obviously Allah Ta'ala is merciful and kind, Allah Ta'ala sends his fuzzle and karam, Allah Ta'ala sends his hidayah and he gives tawfiq. Allah Ta'ala gives us tawfiq to purify our hearts and to stop our nafs from all of the unlawful sins and impulses. Allah <laughs> Subhanahu
ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا ومن تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين يا رب كريم حفظت من النفس عن الهوى يا رب كريم we know there is no escape from it there is no circumventing it there is no alternative to it يا رب كريم help us ya rabbi guide us ya rabbi inspire us ya rabbi you are nafses in your command and control we may be in the command and control of our nafs but our nafs is in your command and control it and became you are also allah give it an amr and a hukum ya rabb tame it ya rabb tame it ya rabb purify it ya rabb soften our hearts ya rabb remove every lustful desire remove every angry impulse remove every envy and jealousy remove every pride and arrogance remove every stinginess and love for the world remove all of the diseases of our heart ya rabb purify us ya rabb you are the mazakki you are the mutaqir you are the hadi you are our rabb ya allah ya rabb you are the rabb of our qalb you are the rabb of our iman you are the rabb of our haya ya rabb kareem help us ya rabb guide us ya rabb inspire us ya rabb ya allah ya rabb kareem we ask your forgiveness ya rabb for all the times we indulged our nafs all the times we entertained our nafs all the times we fed our nafs all the unlawful things that we looked at all the unlawful things that we thought all the unlawful things that we did all the unlawful attractions that we had and your bikrim bless us you grant us from your fuzzle and karam from your rahman karam ya rabbi kareem to keep us away from this nafsamala keep us away from the sinful impulses ya rabbi this month of ramadan you kept us away you brought us on deen you brought us in quran you brought us in fasting you brought us in salah you brought us into tarawih you took us out from our nafs and desires ya rabbi kareem ya allah bless you to continue this mehmani continue this mercy upon us ya rabbi keep us far away from the temptations of the nafs ya rabbi kareem ya rabbi ask you to accept all the heartfelt pleas all the heartfelt duas all the heartfelt tawbas Ya Rabbi Kareem, help us to always help one another, to remind one another, to guide one another, to learn from one another, to be with one another only and only for your sake and only for your name, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Rabbana takamna minna inna ka anta sameem al-aleem. Watumwa alayna inna ka anta tawawu al-raheem. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. برحمتك يا رحمة الله حميد <تصفيق>